This is the Front Page Podcast from the Red and Black. I'm Midori Jenkins. This week, we will discuss our March 3rd paper edition. First, we will speak with Elizabeth Rymarev, culture contributor, about her article on exchange student experiences. Then, Ty Young discusses his feature on Harry Sims. Support for this podcast is provided by the Cox Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership. For more information, visit grady.uga.edu slash Cox Institute. Elizabeth, welcome to the front page and thank you for talking to me about your article. First, what were some of the shocking things that exchange students noticed when they moved to Georgia and started attending UGA? So one of the first things which pops into my head, which is really funny, is um, Rui Yamaji, who is one of the Japanese exchange students. He came into his dorm and was kind of expecting like a hotel style and just noticed that there wasn't any bed sheets or blankets on his bed. So the first night, he just slept with his, jank- his jacket kind of as like his blanket for that night, which is really funny. <laughs> and then Leona Talkman, who's from Germany, noticed like just a bunch of parking lots everywhere, which I thought was really funny because... We have like the supersized parking lots in Walmart, Target, and uh, we don't really notice that that's not that like common in other countries, especially smaller ones like Germany. And the U.S. is so big, so the parking lots just take up so much space, which is really funny. Yeah, when reading your article, I learned a lot of really interesting things that I never noticed were different from other countries. Yeah. What were the expectations that exchange students had for American personality types and mannerisms? So Jaehoon Cho, who's from South Korea, he outlined this pretty well, but he said that he was really expecting everyone to be super hospitable, super friendly, super just kind of loud upon meeting. And um, Yamaji, the Japanese student, also kind of said the same thing. He said he didn't expect Americans to be as loud as they were, but they're kind of glad that they were like as accepting and as loud and as friendly as they were. And so that way they're able to make friends and kind of like reach out and just kind of they can go up to basically anyone on campus and then just make a friend just from saying hi. It's it's great for them. From an academic perspective, uh, what did students notice about the differences between UGA and their home institution or country? Um, Leona from Germany, she said that the first thing she kind of noticed when applying to UGA for the exchange program was that we had kind of like an applied learning kind of style. So she's an environmental science major. So it was really important for her to get hands-on learning and just kind of have labs and go actually like outside, like to Lake Herrick and do labs, find like test on little biological specimens, all the stuff that um, she does. And um, it was really important for her to do that because back in Germany and Cho and Yamaji also kind of touched on this as well. It was just like assignment, assignment, quiz, quiz, quiz. And then they were all optional too. So they didn't even have to do homework, which was not mandatory for them. And so there would be a really big exam at the end of each semester. And it was like their whole grade was based on that one exam. So it was nice for everyone to just kind of have like broken down everything into like more opportunities to have like a better grade, kind of focus on what the content they're learning rather than the, like the letter grade in the class. Similarly, what shocks students about the social life at UGA? Um, they definitely noticed that, 
like with COVID going on, um, they expected a lot more um, mask wearing and stuff, but they also noticed that people do go out and party and they do notice that like, it's kind of like split. Um, people kind of like stay in and have smaller dinner parties or kind of hang out with their friends, do smaller activities like that, which they love. And then they also notice that there's like the people who go downtown and then they'll all group together with other exchange students. They'll go downtown with them and, um, or just host even like parties in their dorms and stuff. So there's like the smaller kind of party scene and then there's like the bigger kind of scene. So they kind of split up into what kind of party they like to do and they just kind of go with it. Yeah. And how have exchange students come together or rather how have they connected with American students? Can you talk about this in reference to the exchange life club that we have here at UGA? Yeah. So I actually found out about exchange life through my roommates who are all part of it. Um, they have a global buddy program where you get paired up with a, an exchange student and you kind of mentor them, kind of teach them how UGA works, show them around campus, give them tours, explain to them classes. You know, they're, they're like their go-to person if they have any questions about UGA and Athens in general or like the U.S. or anything. <laughs> um, but Exchange Life, they host a bunch of smaller events for all the exchange students to have opportunities to get together kind of network, meet each other, and then just they have friends from Germany, from Japan, from Austria, from like England, from everywhere, basically. So Exchange Life is really great for exchange students to get involved in and just kind of meet so many more people that are there. Yeah, it's a super cool opportunity. And when you talk to the Office of Global Engagement, how did they say that the pandemic has affected um, the amount of students that are in exchange programs or those that are interested in doing exchange programs? Yeah, so in recent, in the past two years with COVID, it's definitely been harder to kind of find the people who are willing to come here and kind of in, be involved with exchange and everything. But um, I remember they said that their numbers have like increased over these past two semesters. There's been a lot more interest now that everything is kind of slowly going back to normal. So people want to come overseas, want to experience UGA and America and everything. So it's gotten better. Lastly, what are students hoping to bring back with them to their home countries? Or what do some students hope to experience while they're in America? So my favorite, <laughs> when I asked Rui um, what he wanted to bring back, he just kind of pointed out the bookstore and was like, I really want one of those stuffed UGA Bulldogs, like the little toy plushies. And I thought that was the cutest thing ever. I was like, oh my gosh, you have to. He also wanted like UGA hoodies, like merch, shirts and stuff like that. So, <laughs> and then across everyone, I'm probably speaking for every exchange student, they all want to make friends in America and just kind of experience American lifestyles. They all um, sometimes group together, they'll go to Los Angeles, they'll go to Miami, they'll go to Florida, kind of experience it as a group. So not only do they have people here at UGA that they can talk to in the future, whenever they go back to their home country, they also have people from all over the world that they've experienced the United States with. So it's really wholesome. <laughs> Now, we will speak with Ty Young about his feature on Harry Sims. Ty, thank you for coming on the Front Page Podcast to talk about your article on Harry Sims. Foremost, what was Sims's childhood like growing up in a segregated community? Did Sims feel affected by his surroundings? 
what really surprised me when I interviewed Sims, I, I expected him to have some negative uh, experience in, at UGA or at his community growing up. But in fact, uh, it was quite the opposite. Growing up in Athens, uh, he, fo- he faced uh, no discrimination or, or just he never felt like he was discriminated against. And in fact, um, he and his friends, I talked about this in my paper, but he and his friends go to this white only park and the park ranger there is, is white. And they tell um, Sims and his friends that they can't be here. But as long as they don't misbehave, she wouldn't um, call the cops or get them in trouble. And so they were able to play in the, this park without any trouble. And even in college, Mr. Sims talked about how he made good friends with his professors and uh, classmates. Even though he was the only black student there for a year and a half, um, he made a good amount of friends and, and friends that he still maintained in contact with today. Um, I will say where he did face discrimination was in his track and field career um, for, for the visiting meets, the dual meets. The coaching staff had a hard time finding him a restaurant or a hotel to stay at. That was like the number one problem. And so that was actually the main reason why he wasn't able to compete in Auburn was because they couldn't find a hotel for Sims. And uh, initially, uh, Sims wasn't told this by his head coach, uh, Forrest Spectowns. Um, uh, Sims described it as that it was almost like as if his coach was protecting him and so until it wasn't until later in his life when he found out that um, his coach was really just trying to hide the real reason why he wasn't able to compete. But, um, you know, throughout his life, Sims talked about not facing too much discrimination, which I, it was surprising to hear. In fact, I, when you hear all the other first black athlete stories from around the world, uh, they face a great deal of um, discrimination. But for Mr. Sims, um, it was nothing but a positive experience for um, being on Georgia and growing up in Athens. Yeah, Sims's testimony is super surprising, but also amazing to hear. How did he end up on the UGA track team? Like I said, he was the only black athlete uh, in all of his classes. One of his classes was um, a swim class. And during that swim class, he they were all asked to participate in, I believe it was called the, the presidential physical fitness test. Uh, everyone had to do it. And one of those tests was they were to stand on a nine-foot mat and jump as far as they could. It was a long jump test. And it was a funny thing that um, Sim said he didn't want to mess up or anything. So he asked the coach that was conducting the test, am I going to get penalized if I jump over this mat? And, you know, the coach is surprised, thinking that has as much confidence to jump over this mat. Um, but he does. He jumps over this mat twice. And the coach, um, he's actually an assistant coach for the track and field team, and he invites him on for the tryouts. And so he goes to the tryouts. He uh, does long jumps in a sand pit. And according to Sims, uh, he's just as good as his teammates, who has had a formal training, uh, about 22, 23 feet, he estimates. So that's how he got into the team. And what challenges did Sims face while a member of the track team? You talked a little bit about the Auburn meet already. Right. Um, So, like I said previously, he wasn't able to compete in some of the matches um, because of not being able to find a place for him to stay at. Uh, But also, 
because he wasn't able to go to the Auburn meet, he wasn't able to get a Letterman jacket. He was actually three points behind the meet. And notably, I should also add that Georgia, they had won all their dual meets except for the Auburn meet. And he, he was three points behind. But if he had attended this Auburn meet, he definitely would have made those points. And so um, that was another downfall for not being able to attend that game. And um, I guess um, after that year, um, you know, when I initially heard of Sims' story, I was curious about what happened after his freshman year, uh, because not much is covered about after his freshman year. Well, actually, um, he never did track and field after his freshman year because he wanted to focus on school and he wanted to focus on a part-time job in order to pay for college because it was just him and his mom really making money for him to go to college. Um, but um, I, I'd say Sims's participation that first year really paved the way for um, all athletes. I, it, and I definitely think it paved the way for uh, Maxie Foster, who was the first UGA black athlete to come to UGA on scholarship. So this is, I have nothing to back that up. But, you know, it makes sense to me. I think that's Harry Sims definitely cultivated the path for many others. And um, while he was able to compete, I definitely feel like his impact was very substantial. That leads perfectly into my next question. So besides track, what other ways has Sims left a positive impact on his community and on future generations? Well, <laughs> it's funny. The first thing you'll look up when you look at Harry Sims, it's a website that criticizes his political career. Now, that aside, I don't care what you may think of Mr. Sims as a as a politician. I, I was very inspired and Initially, I wanted to write this article article for Black History Month. You know, I'm a track and field writer. Um, I wanted to cover the first black track and field athlete. Um, but as I started looking into more of who Harry Sims was, there was actually three others that I also thought about writing about. But more, when I looked more into Harry Sims, I mean, it really made me passionate in writing it and really inspired me because in all of his endeavors, whether it was intentional or not, Sims found a way to – and Sims told me this when I called him um, – his moral code is basically to always help others, no matter what. And he said he learned that from his grandfather. And it, it's totally true if you look back throughout his life. Um, he never intended to be the first black athlete, but he did. And that led him to cultivate this path for many athletes. He became an educator for over 25 years because he wanted to serve as a good role model for children. And um, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it, helping to see the young ones grow and see them becoming citizens. And he, and he became, you know, a politician. He never wanted to be a politician, but he became a politician um, because he, he loved his Athens community. He's an Athens native. He's lived here his whole entire life. And he wanted to give back to the community. And so I to see a man like that do so much for his community when not even asked for, not for fame or money, just because of his will, I, I really think that we can take an example from him. And if everyone could do that, do follow his code of just helping those when you're not asked of, you know, truly I, we'd be living in a much better world. To conclude, what do you feel like the importance is to reflect on pioneers in the UGA and Athens community like Sims? So Sims said his advice to the youth was, you know, we end up in situations where we take our opportunities for granted and we don't take a minute to honor those who came before us um, so in, in Sims's case, 
he talked, you know, it, he, he said that, but I don't think he realized that that applies to him too. Like there are so many others in this world that we have the benefits that we are living in the benefits because someone fought for them. And so, you know, I thought it was really important for my article to be made because someone like Harry Sims, and I'm just going to say these names, Harry Sims, Maxie Foster, Renee Thompson, and Veronica Walker. These athletes were all first black athletes in track and field. And, you know, they really paved the way. And so by remembering these figures, uh, you know, it's, it's important to realize that UGA, you know, to think many years ago, UGA was still segregated. And we can thank those heroes for their efforts in fighting for the Athens, the UGA that we go to school at today. And um, we're not at the school that we are today because of ourselves. It's because of these heroes. And I think it's really important to get these stories out there for others to recognize and, and to honestly thank while we're, they're still here. This has been The Front Page. The Front Page is a production of the Red and Black Publishing Company. You can find the stories discussed in this episode in the paper edition or on redandblack.com. Make sure to download our app, keep up with us on social media, and check out our new health podcast, The Athens Frontline, hosted by health editor Simran Kaur Malhotra. We hope to see you next week.